Today on The Breakdown, August 11th, 2013, was the last time Daniel Negreanu won a tournament, a live tournament. It's been eight long years. But in mid-July 2021, Mr. Negreanu played and won the $50,000 buy-in Poker Cup event, Poker Go Cup event, you know, whatever, uh, for a lot of money, whole lot of money, $700,000, and he was heads up with David Coleman, and this key hand happened. They had already won $455,000. There was still a quarter million left to play, and everything was on the line. Interesting things happen. We're going to get into it right now on The Breakdown with Grant Dennison and Jonathan Levy. Hey. First time, no rehearsal. I say fuck second take. Not his baby scratching the vinyls until the record breaks. Yeah, I guess Doug Polk brought that to light that Negreno hadn't won a tournament since 2013, and then he immediately won a tournament. It's kind of crazy how quickly that turned around. Yes. The moment Doug Polk made fun of him for it and made a video, said something, epic losing streak and all that, Negreno won. It is kind of shocking, though, that he hadn't won one since 2013. Like, yep. You'd think even if, even if you thought Negreno took a dive as far as his quality of play versus the field... It wouldn't have been in 2013. It would have been later than that, I would think. Um, yeah. And also, like, he has a bunch of second-place finishes. Yeah. So just it's just unlucky. He had something like six or eight second-place finishes, you know, in that time period. So he's going to win half of those, you would think, just by, you know, rolling a dice, give or take. Win, yeah. win one or two, almost always. So, so he's clearly gotten unlucky as Tournament well. Tournament poker is high variance, obviously. Yeah, I mean, he would have beaten Phil in the Phil Helmuth in the first uh, of their heads-up matches if had he got, not gotten really unlucky, where he was had like a 19-to-1 chip lead at one point and lost. Of course, then he lost the next two also. Yeah. So, I mean... Does that even count, though, those heads-up matches? I don't think they do. No, no of I course they don't. Yeah. Of course they don't. But still, it's fun to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> hey, speaking of that, you know, Phil Helmuth's next opponent has been... Uh, has been announced. Bill Perkins. No. No, more interesting. Hold on. No, I got, I got nothing. Do you know who Nick Wright is? No. The sports commentator on Fox Sports 1. Oh, he does yeah. Show was, Shannon Sharp. Yeah, 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 yeah. He is playing. He's putting up $50,000 and playing uh, Phil Hummel. By the time people listen to this, it will have already happened because it's that July is, 28th, I think. Is he a, an accomplished poker player? He has played. Uh, like there's, I didn't know he had ever played, but there's shots of him like playing like on TV and stuff like that. So he at least plays in, like I think, like Poker After Dark, like, you know, the probably like 20K buy-in or something like that. He's played, uh, you know, on Poker Go. I will say this. The little bit that I saw were him talking about it, he said, Phil Helmuth is definitely better than I am, and that's why I'm going to win. I was, like, <laughs> I was like, if you actually believe that logic, you're in a lot of trouble. Yeah, that's not going to go well for you. It's <laughs> really, that kind of logic does not, does not cross over well then for poker stuff. No. <laughs> like, if Z, then A. Yeah. No. You could say, then he won't... Prepare for me, and that's why I'm going to win. You know, he won't be ready for me because I'm going to do all this work. But just because he's better, Michael Jordan is a better basketball player than me. That's why I'm going to beat him at basketball. Yeah, like, that doesn't make any sense. But this, I guess, that's what the kind of stuff he does a lot on, you know, sports talk. Anyway, he's putting up 50k, so whatever. I'm interested. Yeah, it'd be interesting if Helmuth beat all of these superstars of poker and then lost to this guy. I mean, you know, it's a random. There's some random elements. Of course, too. for a heads-up tournament format, certainly yeah. there's random elements, but still, it would be funny. If it happened that way. I mean, it's either that or Phil has to win three more 
I mean, can Phil really go nine and zero? I mean, I guess at this point he can. He's six and zero, but yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. I mean, how big a favorite is Phil, even against a guy like Nick Wright, sixty three percent or something? I, I have mean, no idea. He just can't be that big a favorite, right? Probably not. Yeah. Anyway, thought that was interesting, surprising. Where's Elia Lezra when you need him? I mean, Elia Lezra could win a heads up thing against Phil. I mean, he could, but yeah. I think Phil would. I mean, Phil's probably pretty excited to play a guy like Nick Wright instead of yeah. playing Antonio and freaking. Daniel. But I'm sure he'd be pretty excited to play Elio Lester, too, is my guess. Probably. Yeah. Probably. Ellie's still around and kicking, right? He's still playing stuff. That is my understanding, yes. Yeah. Yes. He was, I, think he, I think he made the Poker Hall of Fame, which, once I saw that, I realized what the Poker Hall of Fame really is. Yeah. I mean, he was on almost every episode of High Stakes Poker, it seemed like, and that's probably why, right? Oh, I was thinking it's because he's given so much money to poker players over the years. Oh. That, like, you know, the, we, we're going to celebrate him. That's what they've been doing. Like, they want to make him feel good his whole life about, you know, the choices he's made. You know, so he I, keeps on making these choices. It's the Hall of Fame, not the Hall of Greatness, right? Right. So I, I actually can see it. Like, that's not what the Hall of Fame is, though. It's not about who's the most famous. They, that, that's not really. It is the Hall of Greatness. That's what it's supposed to be. Yeah. Right. Just because it's poorly named. It's not, no, nothing is the Hall of Fame. I mean, you get into the Poker Hall of Fame for different reasons, though. Yeah. Like, Jack Binion gets in the Hall of Fame, right? Like, yeah. that type of thing. Sure. Well, he was an innovator and, you yeah. know, a big part of poker history. That makes sense. So was Elia Lezra. What? He was, <laughs> he was the whale in all the high stakes poker. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just hope Ellie isn't falling for it, but I would guess he is, you know. Ellie, they're, they're tricking you, Ellie. Ellie, they're all stealing your money, basically. Ellie. <laughs> Ellie, come on. Jennifer Harmon is not your friend. <laughs> I mean, maybe she might she, be, maybe, but you know I mean, what I mean. You could be friends with no, the whale. No, of course. No, of course you can. But you're friends with the whale in a very particular way, aren't you? You're friends with the whale the way you're friends with the lion. You know, you know you're careful around them. You're very, you don't make too many sudden movements so you don't freak them out. You know, like. I mean, it's, to, be, to be fair, I don't have any of these relationships because I am, well, pre-COVID, I was primarily a tournament player. Yeah. So there's no whale situation where you have to be friendly right. to somebody, right? right. Like, you, you've played in bigger cash games. Did you sure. actually ever behave differently around a perceived whale and then sort of have a relationship with them that was based on their whaleness? Not exactly. Not exactly, no. But, um, but other people did, for sure. And I did, do, I did one thing, which is the closest I can come to it, which isn't really that big. But I, I, one, one sort of whaley-type guy wanted to uh, bet on baseball with me. I don't know. There was some baseball game. And he's like, let's bet on this game. And I was like, uh, okay. And I don't like baseball. I don't follow baseball. I don't know anything about it. But I remember thinking, like, I should let him think I'm good action. So I was like, it's at worst, it's a zero EV bet. And then when I started, so we, so we started betting on every baseball game from there on out, basically. Yeah. Uh, anytime, if there was a baseball game on TV, we would bet on it. Guaranteed, no matter what. And, uh, and I did that really just so that way he would feel like I, I had gamble to me, you know, and he would be a little more apt to do whatever, you know. Hmm. And... and also, it ended up being a plus EV spot anyway, because on the way to the casino, I would p- call up my phone and look at the baseball games for the day and, you know, see what the lines were. And then half the time, he would pick who would win. Like, you get every other day, it would be like, well, who's, whose turn is it? You know, it would be my turn. I'd be like, oh, I'll take the Mets. <laughs> but I know the Mets were favored, you yeah. know, so it, was, it wasn't such a bad spot. Getting the whale. Just a little bit. Just a tiny bit. Just taxing the whale a little bit, basically. But yeah, but it, but I was fr- I definitely been friendlier to people who have a lot of money and are going to keep playing in the game than I might otherwise have been. Not wildly friendly, but at least a little bit. That's part of your job as That's a professional poker player in a cash game. It sucks. As, as a tournament I mean, pro, sucks a as a tournament pro, there is no version of that where yeah. it's based on how much money they have. But there is a version of that where you recognize somebody as an amateur. If you're not a dick, like there's tournament pros who are obvious dicks, like of Phil, course the aforementioned Phil Hummuth, for example. Of course, um, but. 
and, and her dick's like, whenever they lose to the, the bad player, they're like, how could you do that? You're ter- oh like, you're an idiot. You're not a real pro if you're doing that, obviously. Mm-hmm. But there are plenty of times with amateurs that I'm like just way nicer to than I would be against a guy who I perceive as a real threat because I just feel like kind of bad almost. Like, yeah. Like you're, you're here and you're, you're just losing money. It's just sad. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I will do things. I will do lots of things and be a tournament or cash. Like I'll tell, I mean, I'll tell anyone that I can see their cards actually. Yeah. Um, but I'll tell like the amateurs repeatedly that I can see their cards, you mm-hmm. know, like over and over. I've done I, many, 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 many times because I, I can see their cards. Like it's, it's really easy. Like everyone flashes their cards. It feels like to the, like so there's people are not nearly as as careful as they should be. Basically. Yeah, I agree. with that. Um, So like I just tell everyone now. Um, but like the amateurs, like if it's a if it's a serious pro, I'll tell them once and that's yeah. it. And then I'm like, there's nothing left to do here. Like I'm right. not going to keep. Also, I've been, I've had a little pushback on that where I there's one pro. Uh, someone you know who um, who really didn't like it that I kept <laughs> saying that uh, I could see his cards, even though I could, and I was actually trying to be helpful. <laughs> really, really didn't like I it. I mean, yeah, I think I think it should be a one-time thing with a pro because it is your job essentially to yeah. take that information, and that was a nice courtesy from you to to tell them. But like, your part of your job as a poker player is to not reveal your holding of to course. other people, no matter how you might reveal it, verbally or otherwise. Yeah. You know? No, of course. I mean, this this was also a friend of mine, so I, yeah. I felt like I had no interest in like stealing this guy's money or have him basically be vulnerable to everyone else in the history for the rest of his life. Right, of course. So it was fine. It all worked out in the end, of course. But um, but like that, or uh, you know, there's certain there's certain things I'll do to like. I remember playing the World Series um, back in the day, playing in an event where there it was a limit hold'em event. Which of course I was a professional limit hold'em player. Limit hold'em tournaments where all the sexy happens. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> so it was basically it was day one, like hour two or something like that. And there was only one other guy at the table who had any idea what was going on, right? And everyone else was just they they were just no limit players playing, right? Yeah. It was very clear. There was bracelet hunting. I don't even know what they were doing. They or were they, playing a fifteen hundred dollar event. They bought into the wrong tournament. No, they just think like it's what's the difference? You know, they don't know. They don't understand. How much trouble they're in, basically, you know. Well, then they're uh, true amateurs. No, a lot of pros absolutely play these things and think like it's pretty much the same, right? How can you be a poker professional and think that limit and no limit hold, hold them? Play? They just think they just think limit is boring. They don't think it's they don't think it's like you know you have to really you basically they feel like oh I know what a speculative hand is I know what I'm supposed to call with I know what I'm supposed to do this and they don't understand the, like that's not some a real of the pro. obvious things. That's I mean maybe in two thousand six I disagree pretty strongly. Um, like a lot of serious pros who are great no limit players absolutely don't understand anything about limit hold them and play and think it's probably fine. And by the way, a few of them always make the final table because there aren't that many limit hold them pros who are playing these events. So then they think like, see, yeah. Anyway, this is not the point of the maybe story. Maybe I just know the the nuances of the difference yeah, you because do. I'm friends with you and yeah. you've taught me things about limit you now understand like. Things that are like absolute, you're breaking the laws of nature. Yeah. Which a no limit pro would all, if you were playing no limit, you would always just call there, but right. you can't ever call there, right. for example. Yeah. Um, but like I remember playing in this, this limit hold'em event. This is like, you know, 2009 or something. And the one other guy who knew what he was doing, he was opening a lot. And everyone was like, he was seat betting. Everyone just kept folding and folding. And I was like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. So finally he like had to turn over his hand and I like made a big show to the whole table about what his hand was t- talking about. It was like some terrible, like King nine off. Yeah. I was like, well, he opened King nine off in early position. Can you guys believe that? I just kept doing it. Kept <laughs> doing it. Just cause I was like trying to hurt him just a little bit. And I wasn't, I wasn't like trying to help the, the whales. So yeah. much. in this case, all the other guys were whales, but like, anyway, he knew he, he wasn't like upset about it. Cause it's limit, like whatever. He thought it was funny, but 
But like that was me trying to do something, you know. Like, and I wouldn't have done that to anyone else. I wouldn't say a damn word if anyone else opened King Nine, you know. Like, I want them to keep doing it. But this guy was running over the table, and I didn't want the one other good player to get all the chips, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Even though it's limited, it's not as big a deal. Yeah. Why would I want hit? Why would I want the good player to get all the chips, you know, instead of the bad players? So anyway. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, limit hold'em. Do you think it'll still be available in five years yeah, to play? I do. You think it'll always just be a little corner of poker or it'll eventually die? Oh, I think it will eventually die, but I think we're, we're a ways off from that. Okay. I would say yeah, 20 years from now, there may be essentially nowhere you can play anything except like in a home game. That yeah. wouldn't be shocking to me. Like stud, you can't really play. Maybe at Bellagio once in a while you can play stud. but Like five-card really... stud, you mean? No, no, no. Even, even seven-card stud. Yeah. It's pretty, and that isn't a mixed game. Where can you play that? Right. You know? Like probably nowhere. There's, maybe, there's... maybe there's one table in Vegas. Yeah, maybe like the Orleans or something. Yeah, or, or maybe like, again, Bellagio has like one higher limit stud game. Yeah. Maybe, although I doubt it, but no. maybe once in a while. I think the Orleans is a better candidate. Yeah, you're sure. probably right. But that would just be a mixed game anyway. They, they wouldn't play stud. they play horse probably. Probably. Um, so I, that won't surprise me if 15, 20 years from now, Limit Hold'em is there. But I think five years from now, the Bellagio will still be having 20, 40 games and it won't be. Guys like me will just be able to sit down and maybe. watch, watch is, Better Call Saul on our iPad and, and make money. Is the survival of Limit Hold'em contingent upon state laws that require that to be the only type of poker played in some, some states? No. You don't think so? California, it, it thrives in California. Huh, okay. So. Well, all right then. So there. All right, let's, uh, I mean, Thrives is strong, obviously, but it's, it's doing fine in California. Yeah. Anyway, let's get to it. Okay, let's. I mean, let's not. I mean, you, you don't want to get to it. That's fine. We don't no, I want to get to it. You don't seem like you, you don't I seem could like you meander do. all day. You know me. <laughs> I just like to take a walk in the field, man. Yeah. See what I see. see. Is there a ladybug on that piece of grass? Cool. Let's go check out what color it is. I oh, mean, is it slightly orange? It's, is that a different species? That's cool. It's always, ladybugs are always the same color. <laughs> no, they're not, actually. Oh, here we go. There's red ladybugs, which are indigenous to North America, There's and there so are orange ladybugs that came over from Asia and are not indigenous to North America, and those ones bite. So much regret. I've filled so much regret. Did you not want to be corrected? That's too bad. I sh- it's my fault. It's my fault. I'll admit it. This is my fault. You don't, you, don't, you don't pet a, a jellyfish and expect not to get stung. I pet you, I got stung. In fact, sir, certain <laughs> jellyfish are completely benign. <laughs> We can do this all day. Yeah, we can. Yeah. All right, let's get to the hand. All right, this was suggested by Tommy Reynolds on Twitter. This okay. might be the first suggestion Tommy's gotten through. Made a, made a couple suggestions. I mean, if Tommy Reynolds didn't play baseball growing up, I don't know anything about anything. <laughs> Sounds like a baseball player. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're right. Um, anyway, if you want to suggest on Twitter, we are the Poker Guys, and you should include a YouTube link and a timestamp or whatever video link or hand history link, whatever it is. Make sure we know when or where the hand is, not just a link with a ton of stuff in it. That would be very nice. Yeah. Thank you. All right. David Coleman, probably not related to Dan Coleman, but I haven't done any research on that. Um, it would be shocking to me if they were related. They don't look anything alike. They don't. I That's agree. for sure. Dan Coleman is long and lanky. Yeah. David, David Coleman is not. Yeah. He's, uh, I mean, they're both white. That's a start. Because to you, all white people look the same. Unbelievable. Yes, they do. Uh, Daniel Negreanu, or is it David Coleman, is in the big blind. One of the two is da- Daniel Negreanu, one of the two is David Coleman. I can't tell which one. <laughs> Classic Grant. Yeah, I know. It's pretty wonderful when I do stuff like that. David Coleman is on the button. He is the chip leader. We are heads up. We're playing for a quarter million. They've already locked up 450K. Yep. It's the 50K High Roller Poker Go whatever event, one of their many series. It's number seven. It was uh, 35 entries. All right. Coleman's got 3.5 million. The blinds are 25 and 50K. 
He's going to limp the button with 10-8 off. Can't really criticize or analyze this decision without knowing more about the overall heads-up strategy. It seems fine. Though. Yeah. Negreanu's in the big blind as the effective stack with 1.7 million, so he's got like 34 blinds. Okay. Uh, he's got 7-4 off. He checks. So far, I think they're both doing just fine. Yep. Strong agree. Things are going to get interesting on the flop, though. It's going to be like, uh, we're going to talk about it. The flop is six of diamonds, deuce of clubs, seven of hearts. 150K in the pot. All right. Is it better to check or to lead as Negreanu? Oh, um, I actually like leading more than checking, unless you know your opponent is betting some really... If, if your opponent is like limping the button a lot and basically betting every time we check, we should check. But if he's got a fair amount of checkbacks and he's more balanced, which I would guess he is without really knowing anything. The I kid would, looks like a pro. He's the, got pro vibes. The kid, the kid made, uh, in the PokerGo Cup tourney, he, uh, there were, I think, eight events, and I think he final tabled four of them. Like, he did well, you know. Um, so I would guess that he's not firing 100% of the time, especially against known calling station Dan Negreanu after limping. So... Uh, as a result, if, if we don't think we're getting, capturing a lot of value from bluffs, and maybe he's even checking back some of his baby, his baby showdownable hands, you know, like baby pairs and stuff like that at this point. Baby yeah. pair meaning, like, what, what's the flop? Seven, six, deuce. So like a deuce or a bad six even maybe he's checking sometimes. Uh, yeah, I think we should just bet. There's, so, there's a lot to protect against. General equity denial. Yeah, and also get some value too. We can absolutely get value with this hand. Yeah, I mean, but like you said, if Coleman's betting a lot, then we can get value that way, too. Yeah, and I have no problem with that. Yeah. Uh, it can't be bad to, to check and let Coleman bet. Well, that's what Negreanu do does. He checks. Okay. Coleman does bet. He has a reason to bet. He has two overs and a gut shot. Oh, yeah. With 10-8 on the 6-7 deuce rainbow board. It's a, it's a pretty damn nice flop for this hand, actually, with no flush draw out there. Agreed. Um, so he bets 50K. I don't think we can criticize that in any way. Seems good. No, I, I'm totally down with that. I, I'm glad he did it. I think 50K is actually the right number. That's the minimum bet. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think you're going to get a binary decision from Negreanu. 50K versus 100K. Like, Negreanu's going to call with all of the same stuff and fold all the same stuff pretty much. Pretty much, yeah. Maybe Negreanu will call with, like, King 3 with the backdoor flush draw suited okay. for 50K yeah. when he wouldn't have for 100K. Something like that. Um, the other thing is... Uh, you know, we're, we're trying to protect ourselves from, well, by betting small, I mean, from, because we're going to be betting a lot, right? A, a lot of the time, I, I'm guessing, when Daniel checks to us. Probably. Um, especially the fact that Daniel checked also seems to point to that, yeah. right? That, that more of the time. So betting as small as you can is, is good if we're going to be bluffing a lot here. You know, yeah. like, we're protected. Now, we're, we are semi-bluffing, but still, like, we actually have some reasonable equity here. We actually like our hand here, unlike a lot of the time when we're probably going to bet 50K on this board. So, but I think betting small is just great for that reason, too. Now, you'd expect Negreanu just to check call with top pair. Yep. Um, are there reasons not to do that? Obviously, it's not folding. Right? I don't are love there, a fold. Are there reasons to raise? I mean, there are a few, but they don't certainly come directly to mind, like, before I... Okay, so Daniel's going to raise. Yes. Um, but if, before I knew he was going to raise, it really wouldn't have occurred to me that he would raise. So the obvious reasons to raise are, one, mainly because we do rate to have the best hand. Sure. Um... A fair amount of the time, But at that's least. true all the time when people have top pair and raise, and we're like, that's awful. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, now, the ranges are much wider than they are 
in times we're talking about. Like, yeah. there's base, there's there may be a few over pairs here for David Cole, but not very many. Right. Much less, right? As opposed to like under the gun raised, and we called with King Queen, and now we raised a king high board, you know, and it's like, what are we doing? Like yeah. game theory disaster. There's way less game theory disaster spots here for Daniel. I'll give him that. Like, if Coleman has any pair, he's probably calling this raise. Um, if Coleman has certain overs, he might call this raise too. Daniel makes it 150, by the way. Yeah. So he doesn't even raise that big. Um, so that part's good. The bad part, oh, the other part, of course, is we are denying equity rather than just for one blind letting this guy get a free shot as over cards or, yeah. sh- or straight or whatever. It I might mean, there's be. not a lot of good cards for 7 4. On the exactly. Track. So in that way, that's pretty good too. Here's the downside, of course, is. If he doesn't fold, what is our plan exactly? Right. I mean, if we don't improve, it becomes kind right. of difficult to... Like, if a jack of clubs hits the turn... I guess we're just betting again. I guess we bet small. Yeah. We bet, like, 100K. Yeah. Well, no, 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 no. He made it 150. We bet, we bet 200. Yeah. And we hope to get called by a worse hand, like a six, which we could, because we could have straight draws. And then and we check like the river and figure it out? Probably. Yeah. yeah. Assuming, assuming a not improving river, we probably check the river, depending on what it is. Uh, but most of the time, I think we're going to have to check the river. Because like you said, there's almost no good cards for us, really, yeah. right? Like a five is pretty good. A four is good. A seven is good. I guess an eight and a three are okay because we pick up straight draws on the turn. But yeah. not amazing. And everything else is not good. Right. Yeah. Um, the, and of course, the other thing is, like I'm talking about, like I, when I brought this up, you said like as if Coleman would call the problems that come with it. What about if Coleman doesn't call? What's our plan, let's say, if Coleman just puts in another raise here? I think it's just a fold. Right. Yeah. So then we might turn our best hand. What, like, if Coleman is 8-9, yeah. he might absolutely 3-bet here. Heads up. He well, might just I think this it. is a better play by Negreanu on a rainbow board than on a board with 2 to a, to a flush. Because I strongly you're gonna, agree. You're going to get bluffed a lot more frequently on those boards. Um, yes, you are. Yeah. Yes, you are. Um, but it just sucks to take top pair, put in more chips, and then throw it away when you have the best hand. Like, that is like... Such a disaster of a play. Yeah. Now that's the problem. Now I don't know how often Coleman's really three betting though. Let's take it a little further and talk about the actual situation we're in, which is mm. this is like the fifty k crowd, right? Yeah. Uh, it's it's a little different than playing, you know, the main event day one and under the gun opens and you have top pairs. Of course it is. It's beyond just being heads up. It's also the fifty k crowd. Coleman is going to be a good player, right? Like almost yeah. certainly. Yeah. He's calling with a deuce and he's calling with a six. A hundred percent. No, and, no. Daniel can get value here. Yeah. So I think. There is some merit to this. Uh, I, I don't hate this at all. I would like it a I lot just, better. It just creates some problems. I would like it a lot better if you had a good seven. Like if you had queen seven or better, that would feel a lot better. Yeah. We can get called by a lot be- more uh, bad hands or Be- hands that we have beat. Especially being at a position where we may, have, we may give Coleman four streets of value instead of three if Coleman has a better seven. Yeah. Right. And that's one of the problems with this hand. Like we raise now, Coleman calls. We bet the turn, Coleman calls. We check the river, Coleman bets. We're going to call a lot. This I is think. a spot where kicker matters. Like, yeah. I feel like in poker, kickers have mattered less over the years because there's been less of the like, check raising top pair thing, uh, except for on ace high boards, uh, with kickers mattering. That is, this is a spot where it actually matters quite a bit. I wonder if Daniel's actually going to check a lot of turns rather than bet a lot of turns himself. Uh, you know, like, like on a random jack, maybe he's going to bet, but there's maybe a lot of cards he's actually not going to bet. Like a nine? Yeah, eight, nine. Seem to make a lot of sense yeah. not to bet. Um, maybe a 10 as well for yeah. the same reasons. Uh, so he's going to be car- maybe an ace also he checks. Probably a six or a deuce or a check. Yep, I think for sure yeah. they are. So there's a lot of checks here. And so then he's mo- it's more pot control, even though it still could be, quote, four streets. Um, like we only made it 150 also. Yeah. Like, you know, there was 
what, 200K in the pot? 150. Oh, there's one. Oh, we, oh, we raised to one. Okay, so we, we made it a, a full. But it's three well, blinds. We only bet three Well, there's blinds. 200K in the pot after the better 50K. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so it isn't like we did this huge raise, at least. So that's good. Yeah. So what do you think about this? So, uh, so there's, like, pros and cons. I would say you and I have been, like, we built our games to not make this play, right, yes, in most, general. Yes, mostly that's true. And I think, for me, that's more true from a theoretical perspective than from an in-practice perspective. Now, this is for different reasons than why Nogarno might be doing that here. But, you know, I made my living uh, pre-poker guys as a tournament pro. And a lot of it is exploiting weaknesses and bad players. And I'd have to find spots when I really knew players to make plays like this. And it sometimes made sense. So I don't think I built my game entirely around that. I understand the principle behind it. And I, but I think to find cracks and exploits, you need to have plays like this sometimes. And I think that might be... This isn't a cracker or an exploit, but it might be a situational exploit that, that Daniel's found. What... What's an example of like a player type that you would that you would raise on this board in like your tournament experience, or like what are you looking? What, what good things can happen, or what are you trying to accomplish on this there? board? I, yeah, something like this. I, it's hard for me to like. I don't know if I've okay. Uh, give us an example just of raising top pair where you think it's a good idea. Let's start with that. Like when the sticky button who is thinks he's really good but isn't that good opens, and I call with ace jack out of the big blind, and it's like the jack nine three board. That's a, that's a good time to raise top pair. And you get called. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm not saying it happens often. I'm saying but against certain players, you can do it. Yeah. The, the super sticky. Yeah. Yeah, like you said, yeah, um, who are also don't believe you. Right. Not only are they sticky, but they also, you especially. Because there's, I feel like both of us, people are more apt to, like, not believe and yeah. call them. And I don't know if that's because we have this podcast or just because... You know, we handle chips well. I don't. I don't know why, but but I feel like that's that's because of the, the case. animal magnetism. <laughs> and that may that maybe that's true for all the anyone who looks like quote a young gun. Not that I necessarily look like that anymore, but a lot of but you know um, that like you're more apt to people are going to believe you a little bit less. Yeah. yeah. So you can get more value there. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So what? So coming back to Daniel in this spot, what like from a rating of like love it to like never want to do it and everything in between. What do you want to give this? I give it a neutral. Yeah. I, I don't dislike it, and I, I don't think it's great, but I think it's fine. I, I, I think it's actually equal to calling. Yeah. Um, I think it's at least fine. Yeah. Um, it's possible it's really good. Yeah. In that, like, Daniel, like, when he does this, is polarizing his range more than his hand is. Like, his hand is not polarized, but it looks polarized. Now it looks like he's saying, I either have a straight drive, got two pair. Yeah. Right? It's kind of cool. He doesn't have either one. And it's going to be hard to figure out what to do when he's doing that. If you know he's doing stuff like that, it makes everything harder to play against down the road. It right? does. That also, though, brings me to a knock on it, which is you have plenty of combos that make a lot more sense to raise if you're Negrano in a limped preflop pot. Um, and the, on this board specifically, yes. for example. For example, you mean like two pair? every single pair or two yeah. pair combo. Yeah. yeah. Or sure. a straight draw. Yeah. Well, yeah, of course you have all that. Um, maybe he, Daniel thinks he's raising all of his gut shots to, and he needs to have more value. Maybe, maybe that's what it is. So top pair will get it done. Anyway, you, you could he's probably way cut ahead. that off at like ten seven plus, though. Um, yeah, I think you could. Like, it would really not occur to me to raise this. Yeah, but I kind of love it partially because of that. You yeah. know, especially against a good player who's just not going to think you can have seven four here. I don't think. So anyway, anyway, it does happen. And Coleman with two overs in the gut shot, six, seven, deuce, rainbow. Coleman's got eight, ten off. Can't fold. There's no folding. Is there any argument for three betting? Of course. We, 
Well, no. let's think more about it. I think there's not a good argument. No, I was going to say we blocked the nuts, but there is no nuts to block except 777. Yeah. yeah the 8 doesn't block anything yet. Um, the 8 actually blocks things we don't want yeah. to block. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. We have a clear call here. Also, yeah. we're in position. Yeah. The board's, uh, the, the, the pot is still relatively small, too. Yeah. It's a, it's a pretty it's, clear it's call. It's a super easy call. If we improve, we're probably not going to fold. And we hope, like, if we hit an 8 or a 10, we don't lose a big pot because Daniel's got two pairs. Right. Yeah, and to, to further elaborate on that, we don't block anything that would be two pair or a set or a good hand that Negreanu is never folding to a three bet. We do block things that he might yeah. bluff with, like eight, nine, or 10, nine, or 10, eight. There's just no need to do this. And we can always make a move later anyway. Yeah. Being in position makes it easier. Or five, eight, by the way. Mm-hmm. Or but I think even eight. out of position, though, this is just a call. We, don't, we wouldn't want to raise. Yeah, I agree. That's what he does. Mm-hmm. Good job, David Coleman. I love... What you're doing, David Coleman. David Coleman. But not as much as I love nitrogen sports, well, Jonathan, because have... they pay me, Jonathan. Oh, is that why? <laughs> I mean, that's part. That's one way to my heart. But another way yeah. is to be an excellent online poker site that offers wonderful deals to poker guys people. When they use the link in the description to sign up, you know what I'm talking about. I know, but I'm still stuck on this because they pay you. Like, So basically, you're just a prostitute. You're prostituting your heart. I'm no. Saying just a prostitute is not fair because, uh, sure, I'm prostituting my heart. Yeah. But that's not all I am. Okay. Do you understand? You're also a that, carpenter. There's other ways to my heart besides money. Yeah. But money's the easiest. <laughs> also, food is pretty good. Yeah. I mean, but that's effectively money, right? Because I could buy food yeah. with money. I mean, I suppose. Everything is money. Love is money. Money is love. Nitrogen sports. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I'm saying? You know, um, yesterday we shot an episode of Poker Time. We filmed it. And one of the players came up to me and said how he listens to every podcast. You know, he's a huge fan. I'm sure he's... Li- oh, actually, probably isn't listening to this right now because I said, you know, do you listen to the ads? And he said, I skipped through the ads. I'm like, I got to tell you, a lot of funny stuff happens. We start in the ad sound series. We end in the ad sound series. The middle is craziness. Like, you might want to consider listening to the ads. And here we are, you know, yeah. once again. Doing what we do. Well, that ads. stupid idiot's probably not listening, so we don't have to. Exactly. Yeah. I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say mean things about right, him. Go for it. Say, say something about his face. <laughs> he seemed like a nice guy. Ah, oh, come on. He might start listening to the ads now. Yeah, he probably will. Yeah. Just out of guilt. Because he's actually not that dumb. <laughs> this is all the gold, brother. Yeah, and if you're not that dumb, use the link in the description. You get access to our monthly Poker Guys tournament. There is always an overlay. Also, other fun specials that Nitrogen will throw at you throughout the year. Yeah. And you can enjoy those in the comfort of your home or maybe on an airplane if it has Wi-Fi. Great point, Yeah, Grant. Um, yes, fill your Christmas stocking with cheer, Nitrogen Sports. <laughs> <laughs> August style. <laughs> yeah, all right. Anyway, here we go. 6-7 deuce rainbow for, flop. Yeah. Negreanu's check raised 7-4. Got called by Coleman's 810. The turn is the old five of diamonds. There's 450K in the pot. So this brings a second diamond, but more importantly, brings an open ender for both players. Yeah. Uh, Coleman with the better open ender with 810. So he has a draw to the nuts still, which is pretty nice. Mm-hmm. All right. Is this one of the cards that you feel comfortable continuing on as Negranu? I think we probably should continue on this card exactly. I mean, you know what sucks, though. Yep. 8-9 got there. I sure know about that. Yeah. But don't we have? Shouldn't we continue? Because if we check, there's going to be a lot of checkbacks. If we improve, it's going to be hard to get value down the road. A four, a seven, an eight, a three—all are going to be hard to get value on. We we rate to have the best hand a lot still. That five may have made Coleman one pair, by the way, or now he can have a pair in a straight drawn call. All sorts of things can happen. Um, it also could have made him two pair and or the nuts, of course. Yeah. Um, 
But I feel like we probably we're heads up. I feel like we're probably supposed to bet here and fold if we get raised. I don't know what to do if we. That's get That's the raised. problem because we have an open ender, but it's no good against you know the the nuts. I'm probably inclined to mostly call if we get raised against a guy like David Coleman. That sounds icky and crappy and poopy. Well, if that's true, then we should be checking. Yeah, I know. They both sound kind of icky and crappy and yeah. poopy. Like, we're going to give him a free shot to beat us in so many ways if we check. Right? That's okay. There's only one card to come. Okay, like, but you're worried about getting raised, but we're not going to get raised that often anyway. By I the mean, way, on this card, I guess, it, well, to that, to that point, yeah. maybe we can fold if we get raised. If we're not going to get raised that often... His raising range here is going to be pretty strong. I mean, like, what have we done as a runner other than check raise and then bet again? I mean, he's going to have he's check raising eight nine and eight. He's not right. check raising. He's raising eight nine and eight. I guess maybe there could be some other straights he could decide to raise. I'm not sure if he does. He's got four three. If he had a gutter, if he had um, eight four and a gutter, could he ever raise? He could raise those, right? Yeah. He might just be like, whatever. If you have it, we're getting it in anyway. Yeah. Like, who cares? Um, so he could decide to raise those. Uh, I think we can fold if he raises. If we I bet. don't know. I don't know if we can. I mean, what are the, the question is, is Coleman going to raise a lone eight a lot here? I mean, what lone eight would he have, actually? He'd have to have it? his hand, eight, ten. Eight, ten, or eight in a pair, which then he doesn't have to raise, or yeah. ace, eight. He could have ace, eight. I guess he could have ace, eight. He might just check might that just, back on the flop. He might, or he might, he might fold on the flop when we yeah. raise, but if he had backdoor diamonds or something, also maybe he calls, right? If he had a backdoor flush draw on top. But Maybe. he might have raised that pre-flop also. It's like, not very likely. I feel like you're really stretching to get yeah. to some hands here. Yeah, there aren't that many eights, so I guess we can fold. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's hard for him to raise because we could have just made the nuts ourselves. Exactly. That's exactly my point. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, if he has anything at all, he's probably just going to... Yeah, he's probably not going to screw around too much. Yeah. So I think if we bet, we have to fold to a raise. Okay. So let's do that. Let's okay. bet and fold to a raise unless... Nope. Unless he raises. Yeah. And then we won't fold to a raise. Sounds like a reasonable <laughs> plan. Good. Negrunner does bet. He bets 250 into 450. Fine. All right. This is kind of a cool hand to raise if you're Coleman. Having I mean, said everything we just said, we have the we have the right blocker. And if we somehow get there, we can make the nuts still. Right. Too. I mean, like, well, the thing is, part of our analysis was that Coleman will have some bluffs, but there's not enough for yeah. us to justify a call anyway. This yeah. is one of the hands that makes sense as a bluff because we blocked the things we didn't want to block on the flop. Now we block the things we do want to block on the turn. Plus, we have the escape valve of having the draw. And we don't actually have anything. We have 10 high. Yeah. It isn't like we have a pair and an eight here. If we had eight five, well, we just turned to five. Yeah. You know, so now we, don't, now we have actual showdown value and we can beat things. Mm. But we can't beat anything. We know that, I right? think I like a race. I think I like a race, too. Uh, but I can understand... Well, let's think about it. What kind of price are we getting here? There, it's 250 to win 700. Yeah. It's not amazing, but I guess we have overs and we hope the overs are good. Ugh. I don't like that plan. No, the eight's no good. Oh, I, I, I like, uh, I think I like a raise too because I'm not even sure if we hit a 10 that we, we're going to call the river. I guess we're going to feel forced to. Right. We're going to like, but Negrano could have two pair easily and, or a straight, you know? We can't feel good if an eight comes. Obviously, we love a nine. I guess we're going to like a 10 enough to call. That's not enough cards to be able to call with on the river anyway. Yeah. Um, so if we call here, we have to call with the intention of stealing the pot every time we miss and he checks on the river, I think. Yeah, I think so. Um, but probably a raise just works better here where we have the blocker. I and, it's, and by the way, if we raise and Negrano comes back over the top because he has it, we just fold. Good for him. Yeah. yeah. Like, we can shut it down after we raise and be like, whatever, we had 10 high anyway. It was a yeah. cool shot. Yeah, I think a raise is a clearly better play with these blockers. How much do you want to make it? 750. 3x the bet. That's fine. You could probably even go a little smaller. Yeah. You could probably go 675 and get the same. Probably. Same outcome. Like, it's, Daniel's probably folding this hand either way, I'm yeah. guessing. 
Probably. If, if he's folding it. Yeah. If he's calling, he's calling either way. Yeah. I think he's folding it, though, like we said. Anyway, Coleman's going to call. Okay. So we don't like it as much. You know, when you're sitting against, as I like to call him, known calling station Daniel Negreanu, yeah. it is harder probably to pull the trigger on some of these bluffs. But part of your analysis was that if you just call, you have to bluff when you miss on the river if you get the opportunity. Of course. Against who? Known calling station Daniel Negreanu. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, it's true. No, I want to I wanna raise right here when we have the eight in our hand. Yeah. I do. Me too. But he doesn't. Okay. He calls. That changes his perceived range, which is going to matter for the river. Pot's 950K now. The river is the seven of diamonds. Notable because it brings Daniel Negreanu trips, but also it's a third diamond, which is backdoor, but still possible for either player. Yeah, absolutely. All right. As Negreanu, is this a better or a check? I mean, I'd be very concerned that if we check, it's going to go check, check. What bluffs does this guy have here? What are we getting called by if we bet? We, oh, that's a good question. It's hard to come up with much, isn't it? Yeah. Really, really hard. Like, is he going to call us with the six? Is he going to call, call, call with the six when it runs backdoor diamonds and the five came in? So the straights come in. The top trips comes in. Top. I mean, top trips, he was losing anyway if he had a six. Right, but, but it's less like Negreanu now has some two-pair combos that wouldn't bet the river, right? Right. And also, he could have six-five, and he isn't going to... He's probably not going to call six-five. He might even raise six-five with the, like, I have, I have full house blockers. Yeah, the super you know? blockers. So we could check... And let this guy give this guy a chance to bluff and not put ourselves in a terrible spot. Yeah, I think that's the right play. Also, if if Coleman had eight nine and decided to slow play it, we don't have to like be in a rough spot. Also, yeah. you know, we can just we can lo- we're going to lose a big pot. Coleman but, might just call with eight nine. I mean, diamonds came in and the seven came yeah, in. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. When we're heads up and most of the ground new stack will already be in the pot. He may go for it to try and win the. Theory. I mean, okay, let's. Let's talk this out, because I feel like you often over-ambitious this stuff. Well, I don't even really know how, how deep we are effectively here anymore. So. Well, Negreanu's got like 1.1 million or something. Oh, okay. So, if, so there's 950 in the pot. Let's say Negreanu bets 500K. If you're Coleman and you have 8-9... I'm moving in for sure. You are. A even though the third percent. diamond came and yes. the seven paired. Million and Negreanu check-raised and bet the turn. Yeah, and then he checks the river. Yeah, a million percent. No, no. If Negreanu bet 500K... Oh, 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 sorry, sorry. That's what we were talking about initially. Well, I forgot, because I got caught up in the rest of it, didn't I? Um, Huh. That's I mean, a tough spot. It's a terrible move in. You can't move in. You don't think Daniel Negreanu might call with trip sevens? I mean, I'd, I'm not sure he would bet trip sevens in the first place. And no, I don't think he would call with trip sevens. He had good, would you call with trip sevens? A heads up against a guy who might be a little whack? You might have to. To get to beat what? What hand did he play this way? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. We have to, maybe if we have the best trip sevens, or like if we have king seven or something like that, we might call thinking... He could have trip sevens too. So you really want to move in with eight nine? Still? I'm less excited. Yeah. I'm much less excited about it. Uh, maybe not. The, against worse players, you can move in here and get called. But against good players, it's hard. It's really yeah. hard to, to get value here. So I think that's actually a point in favor of betting if you're Negreanu. Um, that like you're not going to get moved in except by the strongest hands. Right. And so it's a really easy fold. You, can, you don't have to bet your entire stack. And really, if you think about it, what, if you check, what hands would Coleman feel the need to bluff with? Maybe he turned one pair into a bluff sometimes. Maybe he turns a six into a bluff. Seems really unlikely. Why would he? If he called the turn, it doesn't yeah. really make sense. Like, you either fold the turn because you think you're ahead, you know, because you think you're losing with the six, or you call because you think you're ahead with the six, and you're like, okay, am I, is this good enough? And you check, and you see. Coleman has to have basically his exact hand right. or some other iteration of an eight that makes some sense. And Yeah, it's like eight X... With the backdoor flush draw, which which is diamonds, by the way, because that's how he calls the yeah. turn. Well, no, he turns open ended. Maybe he can call anyway. With maybe, maybe he can call the turn anyway. Um, so okay, so it isn't diamonds though. So it's 
8x of the other two suits on the flop, right, that are backdoors that he calls the flop, the flop check raise with. Yeah. And uh, now is bluffing. It's, there's very little there. Or 8-10 exactly. But it's still at the same point, like, still hard to imagine getting called by a worse hand if you bet as Negreanu. So neither, neither option feels like there's that many great outcomes. Yeah. Yeah, when that 5 comes in and the 7 pairs, it's, like, really hard for Negreanu not to have something real here. Yeah. Like, it's just so hard. I think checking makes the most sense just for a general stack preservation move. I mean, yeah, if we bet, like, every better hand is calling us, right? Like, there's no way any trip sevens is going to Yeah, they're just going to be like, fine. Yeah, like, yeah. do I win? I mean, I don't know. Yeah, so that's not great. The four, also, the cards are all low enough that the four plays, and everything better than the four is going to play against us. Yeah. Four, eight, we lose two. Yeah. I mean, that's rough, you know? Um, so so that's, that's yet another reason for Negarno to check here. Uh, you meant seven, eight, but yes. Um, oh, of course I did. 7-8. Yeah. 7-8, seven, seven, we lose to them. Yeah. yeah. So we're pipped and we lose. I think checking is the lesser of the evils here. Yeah. Do you agree? Um, I do. I do. That's tough in the moment to necessarily put together, though. Well, Negreanu did, or yeah. he got lucky, one of the two, and he does check. He's played a lot of poker, that guy. Yeah. Well, you said, as Coleman, if, uh, if we don't get there and we get the opportunity and we called the turn, we have to bluff the river. Yeah. Is that true when the third diamond comes and the top card pairs i think probably yeah i, I think, think this so. is pretty good i think so too i think as coleman we could easily have trip sevens no question we can we can have backdoor diamonds we can have trip sevens we probably can still have straights yeah. some of the time not all the time but some of the time i would love it if we had a diamond in our hand to block that a little bit but whatever like daniel checked we, we assume he's betting his flushes because especially on this card like, if Daniel makes a flush somehow, he hopes we have trip sevens, right? And right. he's going to bet big. Or, or if Daniel makes a full house, you expect him to bet. I would really expect that. So yeah. I want to fire away. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. I think we need to bet a little small, actually. Not small, but, like, not make it too big. Well, what are we trying to fold out? Six five? Six deuce? What are we targeting? Yeah, hands like that. But we also want to get called by those, in air quotes, when we have it, right? Because Negreanu's line doesn't say he has the biggest hands, right? It doesn't right. say he has a flush or a full house. And maybe there's, a, maybe there's value here in betting smaller because is 6-5 really going to call any reasonable size bet right. at all? Like, can it really? But trip sevens are kind of always going to call. So maybe, like, so maybe we can bet small because it's, why would we hurt ourselves? I think I like a smaller bet better. Yeah, I like that. Because it, it tells a better story. Yeah. So how much is in the pot now? 950. Yeah. So how much, what's a smaller size bet that you want to make? 425. Something That's, like that. Ooh, boy, you have six five. Your heart just crumbles when you see You've, that. I mean, you fold if you're in a grinder, right? Yeah, you have six deuce. You just like, yeah. What can I beat? Yeah, I can't beat anything, right? Yeah. yeah, I need him to have like five four. It's so hard to come up with anything at all. Five four. So he's open ended turn of five, but doesn't think it's good enough. And now he's betting. Like, I mean, it's got to be a hand, or a hand like he has. Also, he has to believe that Negreanu is going to check raise a six. So it's really six deuce is really the hand we're targeting as much as anything, right? Yeah. It's not even that much a target. But I guess we have to take a shot on this card with the hand we have, right? We played this hand. We have to take a shot. We have to make it look good, too, which is why I want to bet small. Because yeah. it looks like Negrano doesn't have a flush or a full house, right? It really doesn't. Yeah. Or a straight. Yeah. Well, Coleman goes big instead. And I understand why he would want to, because he wants to sometimes fold out a seven. But I actually think he might fold out a seven with the same frequency if you bet smaller than if you bet big. I mean, I just don't think he's folding out a seven. But if you, there's any chance at all, I think it's the same chance at 425 uh, and what he bet, which was 850. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, Daniel is both field player and Matthew. He goes back and forth. So yeah. it's hard to know. It depends on what his mood is in the, that moment, yeah. I would say. Um, 
I would assume I would never assume I could follow that trip sevens heads up in this spot though. I, I just think that's a mistake to, to, to think you're going to successfully do that. Um, whatever you, however you size it. So I wouldn't be targeting that. I'd be targeting the six deuces and the other well, weird like, sixes of the world. It's a nice byproduct if sometimes you could actually fold out yeah. trip sevens. Sure. Yeah. Five, four, by the way, is another thing we could be targeting here very reasonably. Yeah. Um, so that would be a really nice byproduct, but I don't know that the size is going to matter either way. Is what I'm saying. Okay, if it's not going to matter, then let's bet smaller. Right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's why I agree with. Like, yeah. we don't like. I'm not. I don't even want to try and fold out trip seven, so I can. I can bet smaller. But yeah. I think, and I think, it's unlikely to fold out trip sevens. I'm not, I'm not saying Daniel's going to be like the hand he actually has. If we bet huge, he's not going to love it. But is Daniel Negreanu going to fold trip sevens here? Heads up. Well, let's find out. Okay. Coleman bets eight fifty. Of course he does. Grano does not snap call. He's he's like, oh, that does, that doesn't seem so good. No, and he, he's right. It doesn't seem so good. No, I mean, it doesn't. Coleman could have backdoor diamonds in a lot of different ways. He could have a straight. He could have a straight. He could have a full house. He so could. Play, so he, he could have a better seven. Yeah, absolutely. He could have a better seven. Absolutely, he could have king seven and play it this way for sure. I yeah. think if if it, if Daniel checks, king seven is almost always good. Yeah, Daniel's gonna bet his straights on the river when the seven pairs. Yeah, hoping to get called by trip sevens. Yeah, you'd think so. Yeah. So yeah. Interesting, interesting that Coleman does actually have a reputable story, but I do think he would bet smaller. I do think he would bet smaller with value a lot of the time. Um, yeah, just because like you got, like you said, you got to pretend like you're trying to get called by a six, and that yeah. means you would really be trying to get called. By, like it's weird to bet this much to get called by any version of six deuce, right? Six five, whatever, right. five four, whatever it is. So how can Daniel hero here? There's like no heroing on this board. Yeah, I mean this is kind of a hero call if he calls with the trip sevens. I mean, but at least we got a great blocker. Yeah. And we have a very strong hand. He also and... blocks some straights. So I think the runner has to call if he's going to block straights and full houses. I mean, yeah. And also, let's not forget who's sitting there. No one calling station Daniel Negreanu. No one calling station Daniel Negreanu. And guess what he does? Does he fold? No, he calls. Oh, yeah. yeah. He calls, and then he wins the tournament later. He does. I already announced that he was going to win the yeah. tournament at the very beginning. I, I Apparently he needed that one to get off the schneid. He got off the schneid, and then he won the Poker Go Cup. Which was an extra fifty thousand dollars. Can you eat it? Is it made of chocolate or perhaps gummy worms? You can with that fifty K you can get someone to make any version of a poker go cup you want out of any kind of candy. I'm sure someone will do it. Not for golden, 50, not gold candy. Well, gold gold colored candy. Gold colored candy, but not gold laced candy. Do you eat a lot of gold laced candy? I was eating a lot about five years ago. The doctor said I had to stop because my insides were glowing. So there was a new world record that was just established like two days ago which is the most expensive French fries. <laughs> were they dusted in gold? They were. Of course. They, that's what made me think Makes of it. Makes plenty of sense. That's yep. what you should spend your money on. It's this restaurant in New York called Serendipity, which, by the way, there was one in, at Caesars for a while back in the day. Is that the place that also does like the gold chocolate dessert that's $1,000 or something? I believe so, okay. yes. They have like $1,000 Sundays. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, they're known for their, quote, frozen hot chocolate ice cream, apparently, which mm. is supposed to be amazing. Never had it. Uh, anyway, so how much... Are the most expensive French fries in the world, certified by Guinness, does have gold dusting on it. It's just, by the way, I've seen the plate. It's just a normal small plate yeah. of fries. It's not like some, you know, a fit, you know, 30 people can eat this. It's like a serving for one. And Sounds that's like, like a buyer's remorse scenario. I'm just, I'm just putting it out there. $799. It is $200. Oh. Only $200. It feels like a, a bargain at it's $200. T- we got to go. <laughs> I guess the flights, I have some miles. We, we'll get there. Okay. Um, yeah, they were saying that. It's funny because they were the the restaurant general manager was saying like oh we're just we're just so excited that this happened as if like it happened like they achieved something yeah. by like 
charging a lot for fries, <laughs> but like, you know, New York is back, baby, all this kind of stuff. I'm like, that doesn't have anything to do with you charging a lot either, does it? No, this, <laughs> is, just, back. this is just bullshit. <laughs> yeah, but I read the whole article and it was fun. And I watched like the process of making the fries and, you know, they, they triple fry these things in, you know, duck fat and all this kind of stuff. You know, so they're actually all... really good fries. Oh, of course. Plus they're dusted in gold. Oh, no, no. I think they are probably amazing fries. They have all yeah. these you know, special kinds of aged cheese sauces and, you know, like... They have really expensive ingredients, yeah. but, you know, come on. It's like a small plate of potatoes. Yeah. <laughs> like, how much could it possibly cost them to make? Less than $200. Less than $200 is the answer. Music is my sunlight, and all I need is one mic. And I can show every single MC how it's done right. Every time I come by, I'm bound to leave them so tired. I'm sipping on liquor, a quitter is what I'm not. We got one life. And I took a minor break, but I'm back to claim the throne. And gonna be traveling the globe. We still have time to make...